0: Welcome to the Bell Ringers teaching podcast.
1: Okay, hello and welcome to Bell Ringers, a teaching podcast to activate your school day. My name is Young Kim
0: and I'm Kaylin Bullock.
1: All right, class, for today's Bell Ringer, let's reflect on what do you think is the best use of class time?
0: Great question.
1: Alright, so I'll start. I think um, I think this is just a time for students to get learned, right, by a teacher. Um, I know that I'm going into the empty vessels kind of model um, as I say this, so I'm kind of cautious about, um, about my thoughts on this right now. But I'd love to hear what you have to say about what you think.
0: Yeah, this was a really interesting question for me. And as, you know, I've been a teacher for a while and the technology, when I was teaching, not everybody had a device. Um, But more and more, each student was having a device. And that was a question I asked myself as I would incorporate YouTube videos. I especially loved the crash Mm -hmm. course videos. They had just kind of been coming out. They were really entertaining. And they had great content albeit a little bit fast yeah and so we would watch them together as a class and I sat there thinking to myself why are we doing this Mm -hmm. you know it's certainly something students can do on their own time and it would be more valuable really because then they can watch it over again they can pause it they can rewind it it that makes it so much more meaningful right. and at the same time as a history teacher I was always struggling I wanted to do more with primary sources I wanted to do more projects more interactive activities mm-hmm. but I didn't it didn't feel like I had enough time because right. I had this background knowledge to get through or to, to cover mm-hmm. which I don't really like that term but um, So that really got me thinking around that time. I was involved on Twitter. I heard people talking about the flipped classroom. And so it seemed like a really great idea. So I I dabbled on that. Your class, I don't know if you know that. Your class was the guinea pig. I started off, we we would still watch the videos in class together to start. And I would model how we should pause and, you know, ask questions, maybe rewind it to listen to it again. Um, And then slowly over time, yeah, you guys would have it for homework and then you'd maybe have a Google form to fill out. That way, going into class the next day, I would have info already on what questions you might've had or what people didn't really understand.
1: Yeah, I think I remember filling out some of the Google forms for your classes and I definitely remember Um, The crash course videos and watching all of them before your classes so I would come prepared to your classes like 50 years ahead of (laughs) what we're learning about but
0: yeah well and people always would ask the question well what if students don't watch the videos Mm -hmm. and I think that that question while valid you know they can always be asked what if they don't do the homework you assign. Right. You know, so I think that that's um, kind of an easy question to get past. Mm-hmm. And I'd also say that overall I, I hear a lot more people do an in-class flip where it's not necessarily homework, mm-hmm. but it's the direct instruction is via video it's on in, in, individually on yeah. a separate thing and one of the great tools that has come out of this that I really really love is called Edpuzzle. Okay. It's free to use and and it's awesome too for new teachers as well because let's say you love the crash course videos and you want to assign them they're basically already built in there so you can grab the crash course video you want you can find it from another teacher who has already went through and paused the video at certain points and asks questions. So it pauses the video while they're watching it, asks them a question. It can be multiple choice question. It can be open-ended or can just pause it and you can add a little voice clip of something you want to add on to, just like you might okay. in a normal class. So it's like
1: the, it's the teacher's voice yeah. that's asking the question, mm-hmm.
0: okay. Yeah, and and then you get great data, again, like, all right, did everybody get this question wrong? Maybe mm-hmm. they totally misunderstood this part, um, and you have that going into class the next day. Um, so Edpuzzle, I think, if you're, if you're wanting to flip your class, and you can do it with your own videos too, if you make your own videos, Or let's say, you know, and you can grab any video, let's say it's not in their already made library that teachers all share. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can do it yourself. So I think that's, uh, you know, because I I know there's a lot of teachers out there when they think about the flip class, and especially if they're thinking about using other teachers' videos, you know, they're like, well, I don't like how they say that. I would explain it differently. So, you know, you can always make your own and interject your own questions if that is your... Uh, issue when you're thinking about flipped classrooms. So Edpuzzle is a great uh, resource to check out.
1: Yeah and that's really good for me as a uh, a teacher who's starting out not having all of my materials ready Mm -hmm. and so you're basically using the time of other teachers and it's basically just like if it's not broken don't fix it. Yeah. Um, You can add your own to it like you said so yeah. Um, you're saving yourself time and a lot of stress um.
0: yeah it makes me a little sad when teachers are feeling like they've got to go out and buy things oh, yeah. um, because you don't teachers mm. there are there are teachers out there selling their materials but there's also teachers out there that are very freely sharing yeah. and I don't know how I've happened to come across a lot of those free materials <laughs> but I'm happy I have and I'm happy to share them um, so, great. Yeah, I hope you look into that. So, what are you working on and what are you planning for in class this week?
1: Well, we just finished up a unit on like the basic geographical tools that we need to study different countries. And so, that's what we're getting into um, for the next couple of weeks. We are doing an Asia research project. So, each student is assigned a country in South Asia, Southeast Asia, or East Asia. So starting tomorrow, we're gonna get into the library and begin doing um, research. And I think the first day is note-taking. So we're actually gonna open up physical books and Ooh. practice note-taking on note cards. So
0: wow. uh, it's a throwback. <laughs> a throwback indeed, but a, a valuable skill. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a fine line, I think there's a debate you know where teachers talk about, well, they should learn that paper and pencil version first, right. and then maybe, then perhaps they can get into some other digital tools that will help them do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could go either way on that. Okay. Um, so so you're, you've got this Asia Research Project. What do you want students to be able to walk away with when they're finished with this?
1: For me personally, I would like to see students using the tools that they learn this unit mostly because I was the one who was teaching full time. Um, So I want to see the results of students knowing um, landforms and how they affect life, knowing about climate and how that affects um, life. So looking at um, a specific example of their own country and being able to apply the skills that they learned from what we were just talking about and we just took a test today um, and using those skills in a presentation or a project like this.
0: Okay. So you want them to be able to use the skills and knowledge they have learned mm-hmm. with you as a teacher yep. and and apply them in this project. So. What might success look like or sound like? Hmm. How will you know you're successful?
1: I think on a very basic level, if I read through their paragraphs and I see something like um, the climate of Western India is all dry all the time, Mm Obviously, they're missing a lot about monsoons or something that's major. So maybe there's something going on in in their research. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would like to see, I guess, like true facts, first of all, just making sure that that they have the right information. Um, But then also maybe going deeper. So what success might look like in that way is being able to take that one step further and say, how does the climate affect life in terms of um, jobs or the food that they eat? Mm -hmm. And So being able to tie that up, I guess.
0: Yeah, so you want to see them really being thorough, finding facts and using the vocabulary Mm -hmm. you taught them um, in their project. So what strategies are you going to use to help your group of students be successful in doing that?
1: I think we're going to do a lot of modeling Mm -hmm. Um, and based on my experience with working with um, students of this age, they're typing in questions to Google Mm -hmm. like what and all the w questions they're asking google questions so i'd like to maybe focus in on again like the tools of how to google something like Mm -hmm. what are keywords um how do we refine those keywords um and i think even that like maybe to go back to the what does success look like Mm -hmm. maybe just seeing some um informal assessment of students searching abilities, I guess. Okay, yeah, yeah
0: to maybe pre-assess that. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you you started off saying modeling, but yeah. I, I was also hearing a lot of mini lessons. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to teach them some of these tools yeah. um, during
1: the process. Yeah, so it's going to be like, today we're looking at the geography of every country. So um, and yesterday we did note-taking, and now we're I mean, we're, we're doing paragraphs and how to write paragraphs and um, how to find maps and how to take screenshots. So this is a lot of mini lessons, like you said, going into this one project.
0: Yeah. Okay, so a lot of mini lessons, how to take screenshots, all of that. Yeah, that sounds great. And I do think you can vary it. Some of them can be mini lessons. Some of them, you know, you could make little GIFs or mm-hmm. GIFs. Of, you know showing how to take a screenshot yeah. um, so there's some things you can go more in depth on like search terms and there's some things like taking screenshots that can be a, a little less involved so what do you want to be sure you do very well during this lesson so what's most important for you to pay attention to in yourself mm-hmm. while the students are researching and creating their projects.
1: I think I want to be able to know what I'm looking for, and that I I don't just want to sit back and say, "Oh, like it's research time." I'm just gonna check my emails, but I want to be active and walking around and um, be engage with the students to know that yes, they're using proper search terms or they're at reputable websites. Oh, that's another big thing. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you find yeah. your information? Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I, I like that. So you wanna make sure that you're being active, not sitting back, and I think that's really important. Um, I know I've made that mistake myself I think a lot of times just because teachers are busy mm-hmm. you know they're like okay I, I do I've got a quick prep for this class or I need to quick grade this quiz but it is really important to be giving feedback along the way because yeah. that's when it's going to be most useful to mm-hmm. students um, when you're checking in instead of at the end you know they feel like they're done they've turned it in right. they, you know so as they're working Um, So by walking around, also I do love Google Classroom slash Google Docs because I can kind of spy Mm, as they're working, and then I'll add comments Mm -hmm. in as they go. Um, So that's something um, that's helpful for me because sometimes it's easier if I am looking at the screen and at their actual words, and I can type in my thoughts a little bit easier and make sure I get feedback to Mm -hmm. all of them, you know, as they're working.
1: Right. And I think that's helpful because that way um, all of your time isn't just devoted to one student mm-hmm. all of the time. Mm-hmm. Right? You can be um, looking at the different students with Google, Google Docs and I guess making quiet comments that only they can see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And some students are going to respond a little bit better to that mm-hmm. as well. And, and I found for myself it was easier for me to think of comments and make comments. Typing it and yeah, sitting there. I get that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, great. That was really good to talk through. How? What did you learn from this conversation? Did it help you in any way?
1: Um, yeah, I think it really helps me think about what I need to think about before going into a new project like this. Yeah.
0: I, yeah. I find that too. Um, We, our culture and teaching we just go fast and we do because we have a lot to do Mm -hmm. and to actually slow down and think about, and it doesn't really take that much time, but to slow down and think about what you really want to see happen and how you're going to ensure that it happens, what you need to be mindful about yourself Mm -hmm. um, to not take over to not try to do things Um, I think another great thing to think about in this particular case is to not assume that they're going to know. And I think you're already picking up on that. You're not going to assume that they know how to Google things. Mm -hmm. Um, And even, I think, even using the academic language, maybe making sure it's very clear to them that maybe they even have to underline some vocabulary terms as they include it. Because I found if you don't set those expectations, you end up being disappointed that they didn't do it, Mm -hmm. but then you didn't really tell them to do it either. So that I think can save some frustration on all sides.
1: Yeah, I think this, what we just did is kind of like almost like a mindfulness meditation, but for teaching about your walking yourself through the steps Mm -hmm. of at this point, like what does success look like? I didn't ask myself that. I just wanted a polished, good product. Like I want students to have learned something and present it well. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that look like? And I think that's really important. So, thank you for, um, I guess, like, keeping me accountable to my students. And
0: no problem. Uh, no problem. We can try more of that. Mm. Um, so we have a, our yeah. next segment.
1: Yeah, this is our listener question. So we have a question from Kyla who is a student teacher in Michigan so she's, she writes what do you do about a blurting student slash disruptive behavior
0: hmm. yeah that's a great question we all deal with that and if there was a magic answer we would have it by now but I do have some thoughts on this um, The first thing that comes to mind is always just the power of moving around the room. Mm -hmm. So if you see a student doing something they're not supposed to, moving toward them helps them to know that you are with it and aware Mm -hmm. and you're watching. And sometimes that hopefully can help prevent a behavior from happening. I think the other thing is a little more big picture, but you do want to think, not to blame yourself, not to blame yourself at all, Mm -hmm. but you do want to think about how long you're asking students to sit and be paying attention, and are you giving them opportunities to be active and engaged, Mm -hmm. especially at the elementary level. You know, they are active energetic kiddos Mm -hmm. and so you really want to try to be realistic um, about your expectations and mindful of what kind of breaks are you giving them are you allowing them time to move around and talk to other people about the content you want to think about how engaging your content is as well you know I get that a lot with with tech, people talk about, well, you know, they're going to mess around and go to these other websites. But I, I think for the most part, if you set high expectations and you're giving them something that's engaging and you're also thinking about the amount of time you give them, perhaps, you know, it's a task that'll take them five minutes and you give them 15. Mm-hmm. This is when things go a little awry. Right. Um, and I, of course, we all know those students I mean you want to try to praise them as often as you can Mm -hmm. instead of always yelling Um, you want to try to set expectations and also try to be consistent with your consequences Mm -hmm. Um, trying to pull the student aside figuring out where they're coming from why they're doing this asking them why they're doing it I think that's a really powerful um, and I strategy and I know with PBIS initiatives, that's mm-hmm. a big question, is just putting it on the student. Why did you do this? Is that what you were supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. Why weren't you doing what you were supposed to be doing?
1: I think uh, that's what oh, instead okay. of why, right. because most of the time, I don't know why, yeah. why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, what were you doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point, because yelling at them certainly is, is not going to get you very far, and it's not going to build relationships and trust, but as often as you can, trying to have some side conversations Um, to get them to answer the question. What what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Um, So those are some tips. I know they're not perfect and easy and it's probably never going to be perfect. It's never going to go away that -hmm. (laughs) that you have that student that likes to blurt. Um, But try to think a little bit about the amount of control you're asking for and the amount of attention you're asking for. Is it reasonable? Um, can you give a little bit more voice and choice to the students? Because ultimately, we all like to be in control right. of our own world. And in school, you don't get a lot of control. So a lot of times, they act out to take back that control. Mm. So I, I do think structuring your your units and your lessons in such a way that gives some students voice and choice. Not that that's going to be magic, but I, I think... Uh, it can go a long way.
1: It's almost as if our job, that as teachers, is to find ways to harness the energy of the students, mm. right?
0: Yeah. So we got to end with a funny story because teaching can be rough, mm-hmm. and you know we all have our days, but it can be funny. There can yeah. be funny things that happen, and. You know I've been a teacher for a while I don't know 12 or 13 years I was your teacher as you know and now you're becoming a teacher which is awesome Um, so recently I've moved into more of a tech role tech technology coaching role and one of the things we're often looking for is websites and picture resources that we can direct kids to that are going to be safe, that when they search for things, they're not going to get things they shouldn't be seeing. Mm -hmm. And so as the tech department, we are up to the task of kind of testing some of these resources out. Mm -hmm. And so in my office, I was checking out a resource I was going to send kids to, but uh, you do, you kind of have to search for some kind of sketchy terms just to make sure nothing comes up oh, and this boy. particular okay. site had passed the test in the privacy of my checking and everything was clear and good. So then I was in the classroom showing them the site and my autofill information was oh, saved. No. <laughs> so uh, down pat, uh, down uh, shows all my search terms that I had searched and I guess luckily they weren't paying close attention or they couldn't read it or whatever it was. I only noticed there were maybe two girls that noticed and were kind of giggling to themselves and I quick typed in dog and yeah. you know, it was fine and it went away. But I was I noticed of course and I'm like seeing all of these search terms. I'm like, oh, so mortified but you also have to laugh because it's like, oh, these little things that can just lead to Oh, just little yeah. mistakes but it's funny you have to laugh about it afterward and especially because luckily I got away with the students not really noticing mm-hmm. yeah. so uh. it can be funny moments students can be funny teachers can be funny and just funny stuff can happen and and that really um, can bring the joy and laugh you know you've got to laugh yeah that helps that helps because otherwise you're very busy and lots of stress Laughter is. You know what? Oh, that makes me think of one other thing. I remember your class in eighth grade. Uh-huh. I had you maybe in the morning, and you were you were kind of uh, asleep, dull. I don't know. You were eighth graders. Mm-hmm. And do you remember? Because I had seen this on like CBS News or some news show. A little story about laughter yoga. Do you remember Wait, this? Is
1: this where? they force out laughter yes so
0: we would start the day these are eighth graders you know that think they're totally too cool Mm -hmm. you were in this group for sure and I just made you guys laugh and I would go around laughing at you and make you all laugh and that would be how we started the day do you remember that do you remember thinking I,
1: I remember I think I remember Maybe, like, I might have just pushed all of middle school memories back.
0: People do tend to block out middle school, but I can only imagine you're probably thinking, Mrs. Bullock is crazy, why is she making us do this? But as a middle school teacher, I think you got to do some crazy things sometimes. You you sure do. Yes, so laughter yoga, try it out. Hey, I I like to think that maybe we were more energized and ready to go. I might try laughter yoga tomorrow morning.
1: That's our homework for the next week or so. yeah.
0: Yeah. Try laughter yoga. All right.
1: Well, thanks for listening to Bell Ringers. My name is Young Kim.
0: I'm Kaylin Bullock, and we hope we have helped you to activate your school day.